Hey, welcome everybody to Pro Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Craig Doman. I've got a special guest today from, by way of St. Louis, Akeem Shannon. Akeem, welcome to our show today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so Akeem is not seven foot two and he can't dunk a basketball like that. <laughs> you know, he's not a quarterback, but he is an entrepreneur and we're going to have him. He's, he's got a great story that he's going to share today about his resilience, his ability to overcome adversity. Um, his ability to go for the, really you, you shot for the stars and you got it. And a lot of people are scared to do that. So why don't you kind of give an overview of your story, uh, to our audience so they know where you're coming from. Um, you have a product that's kind of hit it big, kind of walk us through that. Yeah, man. So I'll give you the semi short version. Uh, you know, I was, I went to school on a full scholarship. I was supposed to study chemical engineering. Um, got to school, lost my scholarship and had to come home and I had to restart. Uh, and I told myself when I came home that by the time my friends graduated college, uh, and they went to some pretty prestigious colleges from the, from the high school I went to, uh, I wanted to be making at least as much as the average college grad. And so I got to work. I started working in a, a sprint retail store, selling cell phones, cell phone accessories. Uh, from there, I went to work at Verizon in a call center. Uh, and I found myself about four and a half years after leaving school, I found myself making six figures and I saved up nearly a hundred thousand uh, dollars. And I felt like I had finally recovered, but it, it was a long road. Uh, but the mindset that that gave me that, that overcoming, uh, it really started to, to just integrate itself into the rest of my life. And so from there I left, I worked, uh, at Square, the folks that make Cash App. I was doing really well there. You know, they treated us very well, but I just I wasn't happy there. Uh, And I felt the same way I'd felt at other jobs where one day I was going to wake up 20 years down the road just filled with regret. And I I didn't want to live that way. So I quit my job uh, and I read this book called The Alchemist, uh, which is a book about this boy who goes on this journey to find his treasure. You know, international bestseller. Uh, and this book really chased me down and I could get into it a little bit later. But after I read the book, it just changed the way I thought about everything. I realized that like, there are signs, there's opportunities that are out here waiting for me to discover them. And if I pay attention to those, then I can accomplish incredible things. Uh, and with that mindset, I had a late night phone call with my uncle, who's an engineer at NASA. He was telling me about uh, this program he was working on for NASA, uh, for the space launch system, where he was going to use this adhesive that was based off the feet of geckos uh, to 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 do this wiring. And and I couldn't stop thinking about this reusable adhesive. I started doing research on it, and eventually I decided, okay, I may not be able to make a, a television, you know, that mounts with this adhesive, but a little tiny TV I could do. And that's where the idea for the flip stick was born. And from there, it just got crazier. You know, we started selling them locally at at different events and then in the mall. And and then we just took it way beyond there. I'm sure we'll get into that now we're in, you know, many national retailers. We're Inc. Magazine, top 50 fastest growing consumer product brand in the country. Uh, Even got our story told uh, on the walls of the Smithsonian Museum at their exhibit on the history of cell phones. Uh, So uh, it's been it's been quite a journey. Well, Akeem, the thing that's uh, the most interesting for our listeners is the mindset behind the product, the mindset mm-hmm. behind your journey, because you had this idea. A lot of people have ideas. Sometimes some of us have, you know, tens of ideas every day, but we don't act on it. Yeah. What was it? So I'm going to try to make a connection here. What was the connector between the alchemists? Mm. And you and you actually jumping on board to take this idea and turn it into a product, turn it into a business and change your life. Yeah, you know, I, for me. So let me back mm. up a little bit. So, you know, I get this book, The Alchemist. Right. And I don't read the book. My boss gave me this beautiful copy of the book. It was, had all these illustrations, hardback with leather. It was beautiful. But I didn't read it because I'm like, ah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I just quit. And so a few days after I quit, uh, my mom sends me a video and it's Oprah and she's interviewing Pharrell. And, you know, Pharrell's international best-selling, you know, uh, writer, Grammys, producer, etc. And she asked him, she's like, Pharrell, you know, what book have you read that really just, it just changed your life? 
And he's like, Oprah, you know, the book that got me all these Grammys and sent me on this journey is this book called The Alchemist. And I'm like, oh, I got that book. Now, I should have read the book then, but I didn't read the book. Okay, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll get to it another day. Uh, and so then a couple weeks after that, I'm watching the news and it pops up that The Alchemist this is a 30 year old book is back on the New York Times bestseller list. And I'm like, why would a book from 30 years ago, 40 years ago, be on the New York Times bestseller list again? And, uh, you know, I still didn't read the book then, but it was it was growing. Right. And I needed to read this book. And so finally, when I'm moving into my new apartment, it's about a couple months after I got in the book, I'm moving into this new apartment and I had stuff everywhere. You know, there's boxes and I look on the counter. And there's a book, but it's not the Alchemist book my boss would give me, right? It was this beautiful hardback leather book. It's a paperback and it says $6.99 discount books. And it's all tattered up, but it's a copy of the Alchemist. And I freak out. And I'm like, what, what is this book doing here? I asked my friend who was helping me move it. I'm like, did you set this book here? I'm freaked. And, and I end up reading it cover to cover. And when I read it, it talks about early on about these omens, right? We would probably say signs today where you get these signs from the universe that are like, this is the direction you need to go to achieve the goal that it is that you're trying to achieve. And this kid in the story learns about these omens very early on. And so when I saw that and I read this book and it's this, you know, fantastical journey about how this kid finds this treasure that he never should have found, right? Uh, but he finds it just because he believes that it's waiting for him and he goes on the journey. And so, you know, typically when my uncle would call me, you know, it's usually late, like this time it was like three o'clock in the morning. He talks about all kinds of stuff, right? He's an engineer. He has an engineering mind. It's just always running. Uh, but for whatever reason, when he told me about this adhesive this time, my mindset was different. That was really the only difference because he's told me about so many things you know, that are very cutting edge that I could have taken in the past, but my mind wasn't there. It was just like, oh, he's just rambling on about who knows what. But this time I was like, no, this is, this is going to help me to, 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 to live my dreams. And so I just could not get it out of my head. Uh, and, you know, I often think I was doing a podcast a couple weeks ago and we were talking, I was a wrestler in high school. And my father was a collegiate athlete, you know, scholarship, D1 basketball. And I just never, when I was, you know, whether it was in wrestling, whether it was, you know, basketball, baseball, played pretty much every sport, golf, tennis, I never had the mindset that I could be great. You know, it was always just, well, let me not embarrass myself. Let me just do the bare minimum. You know, it was never one where I was like, I could really do something, something huge here. Uh, but this time around, you know, 22 years, 23 years later, I'm like, you know, this can be something. And, and without having that, those first couple of years would have been impossible because it doesn't seem like you're making a lot of progress toward that goal. But when you believe in something bigger than yourself, like nothing stops you. And slowly but surely, you start to see the evidence, right, show itself like, oh, I can do this. And that led me to what I like to call the the world championships of business, you know, Shark Tank. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it it all starts up here, right, and in here. Well, Akeem, one one thing that you said that totally resonates with me is the idea that most people that want to they want to do something, they want to be something, they want to they want to they want to be famous or they want to be successful. You call it what mm-hmm. you want to call it. They look outside. Mm. They're always looking outside. And they're looking for the, they're looking for the hack. They're looking for something. Yep. The blueprint and the blueprint. And what you just described was the evolution of you. So mm. when you changed the conversation you had with your uncle, you received it differently. Mm. When you changed, you saw the, the opportunity that you didn't see before. When you changed, you you had the initiative and, and motivation to act on your idea instead of just yep. sit on it, right? And so, so the thing the thing that's really crazy is that when you change, everything changes. Mm. 
When you change, everything changes. When you change, everything changes. And so it starts with you. And all you described to me was you changing. And the alchemist was the genesis of that change. It gave you the hope that you could be that person that could, that could be somebody that perhaps maybe it was your, your, uh, your programming when you were a kid that you had a best friend that was a superstar athlete and you were like, well, I can't be like him. Or Mm -hmm. hey, maybe you grew up, uh, with your family saying things like, hey, your dad was just awesome. And your little, (laughs) in your little seven year old mind, you're like, well, I can't be as good as he was. Mm-hmm. So you didn't want to you didn't want to chase the dream that he had because in your mind you didn't see the hope you didn't see the path to success that you saw after you read the alchemist. Mm. Man, you so, know it, it, you got Craig, you, you hit it. Um it's so true like there's this guy Jim Rohn, a motivational speaker from, you know, like the 70s and 80s. And and he talks about when when he changed and he he met a a mentor, and the mentor asked him what he wanted to be. He said he wanted to be a millionaire. And he's like, well, why aren't you a millionaire? I want you to write it down. And he writes down all this stuff. My job doesn't pay me too much. I had a kid when I was young. All this stuff he writes writes out. And his mentor looks at it. He's like, there's one problem with your list. And he's like, well, what's wrong with it? He's like, you ain't on it. <laughs> and it's so true. I think that, you know, society has really programmed us to blame everything else, our circumstances, where we come from, you know, all these outside influences to say, that's why I'm not X. And it's like, until you go in, you'll never, it's never going to happen. You know, it's never going to happen until you go in. Well, in sports, and I've been in the NFL business for 30 plus years, it's always in, it's always in, it's, it's not Mm. the out. And so mm. what kind of revealed itself this last weekend in the playoffs, I don't know if you watched any of the playoff games, but some of the guys really showed up and showed out, and some of them didn't. Mm. Well, what the mm-hmm. GMs didn't know when they drafted these guys, because it's so difficult to get inside someone's head, is how they would respond to championship pressure. How mm. would they respond pressure. to championship opportunity, right? And so, but it's, it shows up now. I mean, people, yep. if, you know, Patrick Mahomes was like the 22nd guy drafted in his draft class. Mm. You know, if they could go back and redo that draft, whoever's drafting first probably would take him because of his championship mindset. Mindset. Right. And you know what? I think, like, I never used to understand what it meant to have, like, the heart of a champion. Right. But as I started to look at, you know, just some of the more recent, um, I don't want to call them breakdowns, but these hurdles where you've seen these athletes and they get to the highest point and then they crumble. And I just think about, you know, Michael Jordan and I think about Serena Williams and I think about these athletes where it's like nothing, fathers dying, tragedy, nothing takes them away from their sole purpose. I mean, it's unbelievable. And while all of us may not be champions in sport, that, that, that mindset and that heart is it's replicable in our lives, you know, and, and it's like, Hey, when the pressure gets put on, that's when you have to show up. And, you know, I think that for me, what I found was that in a lot of areas of life, that pressure would, would crush me. But when I found what my true passion was, when that pressure came and it was like a one shot moment, I started to shine. And that's when I knew I was doing the thing that I was always meant to do because I'm like, man, the amount of pressure, like I don't get a do over here, but I have a one shot and I'm nailing it. I'm like, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Um, And I think that, man, there's just no better feeling than than having an immense amount of pressure and being like, I'm going to nail this. Well, you said three things, Akeem, that I that resonate with me. Number one is that. Sports and the real world is the same. It's the Mm. same. Okay. Everybody puts the athletes up on a pedestal, but it's the same. If you're an entrepreneur, it's the same. You've got the same challenges. You've got to, Mm -hmm. you've got to overcome adversity. You've got to know who you, all those things are the same. The second thing you said was some people have the mindset to get to the top, but it's not in alignment with their, their, their identity is not in alignment with being on the top. So they never mm. get to go back. 
So it's like they get mm. to the top of the mountain, they feel uncomfortable. And so the, the universe takes them back down because they don't, mm. they don't think they belong there. So the, you see a lot of one hit wonders in business where they have one product and it takes off. But if once you crack the code, why couldn't you do a second product and a third product? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some do, some don't. But for the ones that have one product and they touch the top of the mountain with that product, their identity is critical because if they don't have it consistent with that status, they won't stay there. Mm -hmm. And then the third thought is the ones that do. Michael Jordan was a champion even in the years he didn't win the championship because his identity was he was a champion. He's always been a champion. I don't know when it started for him. Kobe has always been a champion, whether the Lakers won the championship or not. And so I think Jalen Hurts is like that. I think it'll be interesting mm -hmm. to see how Jalen responds and the Eagles respond after getting whipped, you know, in the playoffs. But it's like <laughs> I don't think it I don't think it's gonna take a hit on his identity. Mm -hmm. But for some people comes back stronger. Comes back stronger. Digs deeper. And the last thought... And you know, oh, go ahead, sir. No, I was just going to say, the last thought was the harmony that exists in your life when you're doing what you're called to do. So I help a lot of athletes, young men, make the transition from life in football to life out of football. And for a lot mm. of guys, it takes three to five years. And the wow. reason why is because they go through an identity crisis. What they do and who they are become blurred, and they become what they do instead of who they are. You play football in the NFL long enough, you're an NFL football player. Your family at family reunions introduce you and say, this is my, this is my Bronco or this is my Raider. Mm -hmm. And the player takes on that identity. The ones that can make the smooth transition are not the ones that have a great plan B. Because if you got a plan B, it'll become your plan A. So you won't play in the league very long. So you, your plan A has got to be in the league. And you have no plan B. But when it's over, and they don't want you anymore, it's the intersection and the convergence of three things. What you're naturally gifted at, what you love to do, and what God's called you to do. Mm. And you put those three together, you're unstoppable. And it, you know, Craig... I love that you said that. And I, I want to tell you, because I'm going through a similar transition, right, in my life. You know, for the past five years, you know, I've been flipstick. Like, I, I'm on the street in another city and someone sees me, flipstick, you know. And at the end of last year, you know, after being incredibly, you know, it, this dream has gone as further than I ever imagined it ever could have gone. But we realized something. We realized that no matter what we were doing, we were never going to become a profitable business. And so unless we sold the company, there was no ending in sight where we were going to make it profitable due to a number of reasons. But, you know, marketing costs, production costs, employee costs, just a lot of things. And so I had to make a decision and I had to decide, you know, are we going to go out with a whimper or am I going to go into the next thing? It was a very tough decision to make. And I decided that, hey, we're going to have to put Flipstick on ice and on autopilot. It'll be for sale, but it won't be a company anymore. And I'm going to have to decide what it is that I'm going to go and do next. And man, for two months, I was devastated, Craig. I mean, I was just hurt. I was, I felt like I let everyone down. And I remember I called one of my investors. Um, her name's Maxine Clark. She's the founder of Build-A-Bear. And I was talking to her. She's a tough cookie. Like she's tough, tough as they come. And I just thought she was going to be so angry. And she's like a king. She's like, you've done more than 90% of the people I've ever invested in. She's like, yeah, it doesn't always work on the end. She's like, but I didn't invest in Flipstick. I invested in you. Mm -hmm. So as long as you don't give up, then my investment is secured. And I had to ask myself, you know, when you talk about that passion and what it is that you're meant to do and, and losing your identity. Right. I had to ask myself, well, what is my identity? And I realized something, you know, from the, from whether it was me being on Shark Tank or whether it was, uh, you know, rapping and pitching to Diddy and Snoop Dogg 
or whatever it was where I found the most enjoyment was on stage in front of people and not and not just speaking to my product, but speaking to my story and seeing the inspiration that people had, even people who are, you know, hundreds of million dollars past where I I've gone. You know, they look and they see something that makes them say, wow, I'm inspired and I want to be a part of that. And I had the opportunity uh, at the beginning of last year to speak at this large youth conference. It's a church conference for kids. And uh, they had a Shark Tank style competition. So they had me come speak um, and, and run this competition for them. And I remember at the end, we gave away a few thousand dollars. Um, but this one kid gets fifth place, right? He's way down the totem pole. He only gets a thousand dollars. Uh, but his mom runs up to me at the end of this conference crying, thanking me because she was like, when we came into this, he was ready to quit. He was going to shut down his t-shirt business. He, he, He had given up on his dream. And he said, she was like, he listened to you last night and talk about all your ups and all your downs and what you had to come through. And he came home and he was so excited. He's like, I'm going to figure out a way to move forward. Even if I don't win, I'm going to figure out a way to keep going. And she was like, when you gave him that $1,000 to buy his T-shirt press, she's like, I've never seen him look the way that he looked at me when he came off that stage. And when I was reflecting on this, that happened at the beginning of last year. When I reflect on it at the end of last year, I was like, man, that was one of the most powerful experiences of my entire life. More powerful than selling millions of products you know, more powerful than raising money. That for me was it. And, and I decided, I was like, you know what, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I've been doing on the side, but it's what I'm really meant to do. Uh, and so, man, so many people, I think, go through these transitions in life where who we are, it comes to an end. And we think that that is the end of us. But, you know, I believe you know, at least this is what God told me was that, look, I have, it was the journey, right? That's what the alchemist is about. It's about chapters. And I was able to live this incredible chapter, but then it was time for me to go live the next chapter. And I was reminded of a quote uh, from, oh man, I can't think of her name, uh, of of a great poet and the name will come to me. And 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 she talked about how in life, we're all on the highway of life. And for a lot of us, at a certain point on the highway, we pull off to the side of the road and we park. We park because we got banged up. We got an accident. So we're like, I just can't go any further. Some of us park because we think we've gotten far enough down the highway. We're like, oh, I'm good. I'm out of gas. I'm just going to pull over. And, you know, looking back, I felt like I was parked. As far as I come from the outside, it looks great, Right. But I felt part. And when I decided to go down this journey and, and really start to pursue the, you know, being able to speak and to tell my story to more people, because I realized that unless people had seen me at an event, they actually didn't know the full story of how Flipstick got here. Uh, man, for the first time in probably a year or two, I felt like I was back in the driver's seat. I was no, I was no longer part. And it felt great. It felt really great. And I think it's only because so many times in my life I've failed and had to start over, <laughs> you know, whether it was in school, I failed, had to start over, I had to quit my job. I was very successful to start over. It's something I'm used to. But every time I do that, man, the next chapter is always immensely better than the previous. So I think that I can, I, I'm in a space now where I can move into new chapters without fear because it's a, it's a muscle that I've built. And I know like, man, when I move into a new chapter, it'll start a little slow, but I'll see, I'll see all the signs, right? God will show me all those signs, all those omens that are like, yeah, you're headed in the right direction. And next thing I know, I'll be at the top. Dean, you hit on so many things there. I, I, it's it's uh, tough for me to digest and kick it back, but I'm just going to say that what you shared, what I heard and what I felt was that impact is more important than money impacting mm. people is and serving people and serving other people's dreams and giving them hope is so much more valuable and priceless than money everybody needs mm. money everybody needs money don't get me wrong but 
you don't know what that young man that you impacted at that youth conference is going to do 15, 20, 30, 40 years from now. Mm-mm, mm-hmm. From the seeds that you planted at a youth youth conference where you gave him hope in his own dream. And that's chapter one for him. Mm. That's not going to, he's not going to be, you know, he's probably not going to have a, an Amazon type t-shirt business down the road, but he might have an Amazon type business down the road. It's just going to be mm-hmm. something different than t-shirts. The second thing that you shared that I, that resonates with me is the idea that of the chapters, you know, you were used to work in the cell phone business. I mean, we're on iPhone 15 right now. Okay. <laughs> God, I hope I live long enough to see iPhone 55. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many of those bad boys are going to do. But right now, I am Craig 2.0. And I'm working Mm. on Craig 3.0. And I spent the majority of my life in Craig 1.0. And I didn't know that I could evolve until something happened to me a couple years ago. But the bottom line is, your stories, your story, it's okay to change your story. It's okay to upgrade your story. And then because you like to perform, you know, my encouragement to you is define your stage. What is your stage? You said your, 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 your peace and your joy and, and where you feel like you're really living is when you're on stage. When most people have stage fright, most people are thinking about the consequences and the outcome and the expectations of, hey, this is my only at bat. This is my only swing. Mm-hmm. If I strike out, man, this is, this is dead. And you're just living it. But here's the thing. We have this idea that our stage is special places. Like a football field or a real stage or a a business, a conference room, you know, or or an important meeting with your board of directors or with investors. And I'm here to tell you that every moment is a stage. Hmm. Every moment wow. is. And in every moment, you don't know who's gonna who you're gonna talk to today. You don't know who you're gonna meet with today. You don't know who's gonna call you today. And it's gonna be your stage. But it's not the stage that you thought it was. But it's still a stage. And guess what? In that smaller stage, you still have an opportunity to make an impact. Uh, so true. You know, it it is it's very interesting you say that. Like I've, I've in, in one of the bios that I remember I sent off, I, I talked about being on the stage of the Smithsonian and being on the stage of a third grade classroom. And, you know, when I was making, when I was making this transition and just thinking about this, my fiance reminded me, he's like, you have no idea who is going to hear what you have to say and go and create the most incredible next thing that's there and and reminded me of the fact that people did that for me and they have no idea like I mentioned earlier about Jim Rohn and I listened to Les Brown and I listened to my grandfather like I listened to all these people and at the right moment you know Paulo Colo who wrote The Alchemist they have no idea that you know they inspired me to create a business they inspired me to live my dreams. And who knows, you know, I'm early in my journey. At least that's the way I see it. So I'm going to go on and do even more things. And it was only because they decided to do what it is they did, whether that was speak to people, whether it was write a book, whether it's my grandfather was a pastor, you know, whatever it is that they decided. And it's one of those things that, you know, I feel honored. Um, I feel, I feel honored that, that I could have any effect on someone's life. And, and, you know, for a long time with Flipstick, you know, because that was my stage for five years, I didn't, I felt like all I was doing was allowing people to, you know, make TikTok videos or watch Netflix, which, you know, people need to do that. But, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was having a huge impact. But I remember um, we had this influencer, this TikToker, uh, started making videos. And my marketing director flagged it down and said, hey, Akeem, I want you to see this. And this influencer was deaf. And he was talking to his audience, which is primarily people who are also deaf, of why they needed a flip stick. And he was saying that, you know, 
for deaf people, they get tired of texting, right? They want you to see their face. They want to be able to express things the same way we do when we when, when people talk. And they do that through their hand expressions and their facial expressions and their body language. And FaceTime is perfect for that. But there's a problem. If you're on the go and you're holding your phone, you can't sign. You only have one hand. And so he's like, you can use the flip stick. You can stick it to a surface on the go. And now you can FaceTime and have that full conversation with someone anywhere. And man, it just touched me because I, I never would have thought when I created the flip stick, you know, I was making it to be a, a TV, right? You know, you could throw ESPN on, you could watch it on the backseat of a plane. Like that was, that was all I was thinking about. But for someone to use it as a vital communication tool was so powerful for me. And it was like, man, I'm enabling people to improve their lives. And, and that was a level of, of meaning for me that I think really allowed us to 10X and 20X our business because I realized that it was more than, you know, watching a video. It was more than making a TikTok. Like there was going to be people and I would never know their, most of them, I would never know their stories. I would never know the way that I impact them. Uh, but those glimpses that I got of the impact, man, those, those are the things that really drove me. And I remember just one other story too, that, you know, talking about being on a stage and not realizing it. When we first started Flipstick, I was in a mall. I had a mall kiosk and we were literally one-on-one sales and we would end up selling like $30,000 in two months, right? It, it was the first time when I was like, you know what? This can be a real thing. Uh, and a few years down the road, I meet this guy and he's like, man, he's like, you don't know how much you changed my life. And I was like, huh? He's like, well, you were in your mall kiosk. You flagged me down, you stopped me, and I bought a product just to support you, and I didn't really care about it, but I put it on my phone, and it just sat there. I never used it. Then COVID happens, and he's like, he was in the hospital. He was, his, his wife was getting ready to give birth to their firstborn kid, and no one could be in the hospital. No family was there. He wanted to record this moment to share with the rest of the family, but his wife wanted him right by her side holding her hand, and he looked at his phone. He's like, oh, that's right. That annoying kid gave me this thing. And he opens up for the very first time, sticks it to the wall, records the whole thing. And he's like, every time I watch the birth of my firstborn kid, I think of you stopping me in the mall. <laughs> and I that was is... just like, man, and you know what I'm saying? Like, who could imagine something like that? But it's one of those things where, like, I remember when I first went to the mall, I was terrified. The rent was $5,000. I didn't want to set up in the Kia, in the mall. I'd only made $15,000 in the lifetime of the business, and I'm going to spend five on a rent for a kiosk. I was terrified. And I just remember being so scared to go up to people, to stop them, to flag them down. But imagine if I hadn't taken that stage, right, in the mall, flagging people down at risk of, you know, them telling me, get out my face. I'm in a hurry. I don't want to talk to you. If I had never done that for that guy, he wouldn't have that video. And I mean, so for me, it's like you got to take, you know, every chance you get, you got to go for it full tilt because you just never know. You don't. You never know. Okay, Akeem, let's uh, – my brain has been thinking about the idea that you're making a transition. And, you know, you want to speak, you want to impact people. I think you could take the name flipstick and come up with a new word that rhymes with it to indicate your next face because it's like tip stick it's something it's something else where mm. it's like it's related to because that's that's where you started but it's something different and it's it sounds like to me you want to help people um you want to you want to give people the vision the hope you want to share your story to help them identify with your journey so today you go hey i don't have it that bad he did it he dropped out of college he had diversity he did it why can't i do it Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And you know, so, somebody put it to me this way. They were like, and this was before I had made the decision to to stop flipstick, but um she was like, she's like, really, your story is one of flipping the script. Like anytime you get stuck, you just flip the script over, write a whole new script. <laughs> and it's true. But I think that that's life, right? Like you're you're always gonna hit failures. And you know, you talked earlier, right? And we talked about the athletes that you know, in the years that they don't win a Super Bowl, right, where they get blown out in the playoffs, the ones who fail 
and take that and learn from it and realize that that failure doesn't define them. And in fact, that failure is part of their success. Those are the ones that become champions. And so, you know, that's kind of the way that I look at, you know, for me, I, I have a couple of, um, of pretty great speaking opportunities coming up. I'll be speaking at South by Southwest, which is one of the largest conferences uh, in the country um, for tech and, and entertainment. And then uh, Grant Cardone, who is a big real estate guy and speaker, has a big speaking competition for uh, it's called Great American Speak Off, kind of like American Idol for speakers. And I'm a finalist for his for his uh, competition. So, like, I had these opportunities to share these stories. And, and I was thinking I booked both of these things before I decided to shut down Flipstick. And I was talking to this speaker. Uh, and he's really he's a big speaker. Um, and I was telling him about what I was thinking about doing. And he said to me, he was like, you know, if you shut down Flipstick and you and you stop and 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 Flipstick doesn't work out, well, now you're going to have to go build a whole nother business before you can ever become a speaker. And I thought about that and I was like, I disagree <laughs> because I thought about some of the most powerful speakers that I've ever seen and the most people who've had some of the most incredible stages. And that's not always their story. I think about uh, Tony Robbins and him building his business. You only know Tony Robbins for speaking. You don't know him for anything else. I think about Les Brown and and their and and his ability, you know, to become one of the top speakers in the world. And he was a disc jockey, right? He was a DJ on a radio station, and then he was a a a, a, a state senator. Neither one of those things worked out, <laughs> but ultimately he ended up impacting people's lives by telling the story and the journey. And so I think that for me, you know, I just look at all of this as part of the journey. You know, life is one big journey. And, and I, I'm proud to say that, man, I've had I, I've, I, can't, I couldn't be more grateful with the rooms that I've been in and the people that I've gotten to meet and some of the things that I've gotten to do. I mean, it's I, I've had a very full life already and I feel like I'm just getting started. Two thoughts, Akeem. One is that in sports, everybody everybody talks about like the Hall of Fame guys, the best of the best. But QB2 has a story too. Mm. QB2 has a stage as well, right? Yep. That sphere of influence for that QB2, doesn't matter. Take any team in the NFL. QB2 has a stage. So some people get to get to be the shiny object and and you know be the superstar, but everybody's got an opportunity to be a star. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's talk about superstars for a second. We have a culture that we have an idol culture where we mm -hmm. you know we just put entertainers and athletes and sometimes politicians and sometimes business professionals and you know, musicians, so on and so forth, up on a, they put them on a pedestal. They, they think they're different than we are. They think they're better than we are. They think, we think, as a culture, they're smarter than we are. Mm. All these things. What is your perspective on that? You know, I, I can't agree more. Like, we look at, Whenever I hear stories about Jeff Bezos, right, and I hear stories about, um, you know, Michael Jordan, there, there is this aura of uh, superhero-ness, right, to this person. Like, they're just so exceptional. They've done all these incredible things. And it's like, I think often about the kid who loved football. Right. Played played Madden as a kid, was scrawny, wasn't going to, you know, ever be in the NFL, uh, didn't make it on any sport team, but he was a nerd and he was interested in computers and he loved Madden so much that he thought it'd be really cool that in the segment in Madden, when the camera spins around and shows all the perspective, what if we could do that in real life? So he gets some cameras together. He starts working for Sony. He's like, you know what? I think I could do this. And one day that kid who never played in the NFL, was never the superstar, walks into the room of the National Football League and says, I want to show you this camera array 
that's going to allow us to do a 360-degree panorama around all the players anywhere on the field at any moment, and it's going to be so exciting, and everyone's going to love it on TV. And all of a sudden, the players, the champions, the coaches, the owners are like, that guy's pretty cool. Like, nobody told that kid. Someone could have told him a long time ago, you'll never be in the NFL. You can't do that. But he found his own lane and he found his way into the room. And I can't even tell you the guy's name. But look what he was able to give, not just to the fans, but to the players, to the coaches, to enhance the game. And it's like, I think for so many people, we get so caught up on, you know, how do I become Beyonce? And not realizing, like, there's so much, there's so much to the, to, to the things that we enjoy that we never see that you can do and that you can master and that fit into what it is that you're supposed to do and what, and, and what you're inspired to do. And, and for a lot of us, we, we don't get told that it's a possibility or we don't believe it's a possibility. And I wish for, for more people that we, we start to, to view our dreams and say, hey, if I love X, like I can do that. I may not be a Super Bowl winner, but it doesn't mean I can't be at the Super Bowl. It doesn't mean that I can't be a part of what what football or what music or what entertainment or what engineering or what uh, uh, healthcare mean to the culture at large. Like I can have an impact and it can be a small impact. It can be a huge impact. I often tell people, I was like, you got two options. You can go wide or you can go deep. Like, yeah, you can affect a lot of people or you can affect a few people in an extremely meaningful way. And there's no wrong answer. Uh, but I think for, you know, our society, we only want to talk about the biggest, best stories. And, and look, those things are inspiring to people. And I, I look at those things for inspiration. But I think where people get in trouble is sometimes we look at you know, these stories of these titans of, of their space. And then we reflect on ourselves as we're less than. And, and, and that is where it can become dangerous for people because they look and they say, well, I can't be that. So it's not worth it. But once again, you know, you talked about it at the beginning, Craig, it's all about mindset because see, when I read the story of Henry Ford, right, this, this blue collar guy had no money, but becomes a titan of industry when everyone told him he couldn't. I don't look at that and say like, oh, well, I never became Henry Ford. I look at there and say like, man, if he did it, he had nothing. <laughs> he didn't know anything. I can do it too. I, I often tell when I speak to kids, I tell them the story of GoPro. A lot of people don't know the founder of GoPro. Knows nothing about cameras. He's not an engineer. He doesn't know any of that. He's a surfer. He's a surfer that was traveling around the world. He wasn't an exceptional surfer. He was a good surfer, but he wasn't number one. But his biggest pet peeve was he had no footage. He couldn't see anything from surfing unless it was from, you know, 200 yards away on the beach. And so he said to himself, man, it'd be really great if I had a camera with me, a high quality camera on my surfboard. So he gets home after traveling the world, you know, a starving surfer. And he gets a camera from Best Buy and he gets some acrylic from the acrylic store. Duct tapes it all together, throws it in a package, ships it off to China and says, hey, I want you to make this, but make it waterproof and make it smaller. And a $3 billion company is born. Now, his dream was not to start a $3 billion company. His dream was to be a world-class surfer. But I can tell you this much. He sponsors all the world-class surfers. <laughs> he sponsors <laughs> the championship of surfing. <laughs> he knows everyone is surfing and everyone is surfing knows him. And I don't yeah. think that that is a man who lives with any regrets of the journey that he's taken. And he didn't know anything about it. He just had a belief in himself. And so I think that, you know, having that GoPro mindset is something that a lot more of us, you know, need to have. Uh, and unfortunately, it's one that our society, like, does not foster and does not talk about. You know, they only want to talk about the glossy, shiny bits, uh, but, they, but we often don't hear about the truth. Akeem, something that has come up multiple times in this conversation is the idea that all you got to do is live. All you mm. got to do is be. The, the GoPro guy wasn't trying to be anybody else. 
He wasn't trying to build a business. He wasn't trying mm-hmm. to sponsor, you know, an entire sport industry. He was mm-hmm. just trying to have a better experience. Mm-hmm. And if you look at even Flipstick, kind of the same thing. I mean, maybe at some point in time you made the transition from this could help me to help others, but it's like just be an experience is the critical part because we're all the same. That's the thing I was wanting to come out about these super megastars. Taylor Swift, they're all the same. We're all the same. Where we're different is not in how important we are. Where we're different is where we're open-minded or not. Mm. Are we? Have we already quit on our dream before it started? Are we willing to take the risk to follow our heart and our dreams? Most people aren't. Hey, got to do mm-hmm. nine to five. Got to pay the bills. Got to got to do all these things, and they can't they they can't take the risks because their lifestyle has to be supported. For most people yeah. that have done really wonderful things are not the people that come from money that have venture capitalists behind them. It's the people that have no money that have nothing to lose that take their shot. And then somebody else goes, Hey, that's a good idea. Money will find them. The investors will find them. Thoughts. I mean, it's absolutely true. All all you have to do, right? I mean, look at professional sports, right? Like, uh, what's the name of the of the high school uh, that's like it's super expensive, like a hundred grand down down in Texas for for athletes? You know what I'm talking am, about? I know IMG's in Tampa, and I know Bishop IMG, Gorman. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, IMG, perfect, right? You look at IMG. Now let's be honest. IMG's great, but let's be completely honest here. The vast majority of professional athletes are not coming from IMG. They're not coming from from having the money or having the means. To, to invest in all the research, none of that. The only thing that they have is belief in themselves that they can do something greater than anyone they've ever known has done. That's it. And they're just regular people. They had no advantages. And you see that that's what makes up the majority of, of the people uh, at at the top, especially in America, which is what makes America very unique is that you have so many people that started from nothing and yet achieved incredible things. One of my favorite books is uh, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, and I highly recommend it to anyone trying to pursue anything. But Think and Grow Rich talks about the power of these titans of industry. And we're talking like Henry Ford. We're talking Rockefeller. We're talking uh, J.P. Morgan, uh, Thomas Edison. They interviewed these people and just asked them. All of those guys came from nothing. No one believed in them. No one thought they could do anything. They just started and they believed in themselves. Uh, and so I think that, you know, it. everyone, look, life isn't fair, right? Life, life will never be fair for anybody. People have advantages. There are people who are set back, you know, being black in America, being gay and black in America. Look, there's plenty of obstacles that are in the way, right? But Here's the thing. It's possible. And if you just simply believe that it's possible, man, it takes you down incredible, incredible paths. You know, Craig, I hadn't got to talk too much about how I got on the Shark Tank, but I often think about the roundabout way that it happened. And, you know, I when I applied to be on Shark Tank, I actually didn't make it on the show. Right. I got rejected. I made it from 40,000 people down to the final 200. They cut me out. They said, nope, you can't be on the show. And I was devastated. But I had to think about, okay, you know, well, what's another path? I was resentless. I I, I was I knew that it was possible for me to achieve whatever it was, whatever I wanted to achieve. And yeah, it may not be through Shark Tank. I thought it was. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's through another avenue. But I didn't quit. I didn't stop. And so for me, the story was I saw an event on Instagram called the Revolt Summit, uh, and it was a conference on music and entertainment, how to get into the music entertainment industry. Not anything I was in, like, that's not what I was trying to do. Uh, however, they had a pitch competition for businesses. So I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to pitch. It's going to be all these rappers that are going to be there, DJ Khaled, all these, you know, uh, big people are going to be there. I could get an investor. And so 
I buy a ticket, it was $500, buy a plane ticket, and I head down there. Uh, but before I leave, I find out that the pitch competition's closed and I wasn't going to be able to pitch my business. So I had to come up with something else. Well, it turns out there was a music competition and they were going to be giving away a record deal. So I said, you know, I've been in music appreciation in, in, in high school. <laughs> I learned how to play piano for jazz lab band for Mr. Kuklowski. You know, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and into this music competition and win a record deal to sell my business. <laughs> and so I write a rap. I go down to Atlanta. I do the rap. I get to the top five people. I'm going to be able to get on stage in front of all the rappers, all the judges to get this record deal. Then they disqualify me. And they say, uh, Akeem, you know, you're not trying to get a record deal. You're trying to pitch your business. You can't. You're not serious. You can't be on the stage. They said, what's the difference between a, a record deal and a business deal? Those are the same. They disagree. <laughs> so, but even still, in that moment, I was like, look, it's possible for me. I'm here. It's meant for me. I'm not going to give up. I don't care that I didn't get it to pitch in the pitch competition. I don't care that I've gotten ejected from the music competition, the backup plan. Like, this is meant for me. So I'm sitting in the audience before the music competition final starts. And it's a comedy show. And at the comedy show, I take my product, I stand up in front row, and I hold my product up in the air. And the comedian looks at me and he's like, bro, what are you trying to sell me? He said it in much more profanity than that. But he's like, bro, what are you trying to tell me? And I do the full pitch. And he gets excited and he starts asking me what kind of explicit things it'll stick to. I'll let people use their imagination. <laughs> and, and the crowd goes crazy. They derail his whole show. They're coming up to the stage, pitching their product, showing their stuff. And eventually a kid comes to the stage that's going to do a freestyle. And I'm like, yo, I got a rap. Comedian lets me on stage. I do my rap, pitch my business. Crowd goes crazy. And the same person that disqualifies me from the competition comes up to me and is like, let me introduce you to to the CEO of all of our organizations. Let me introduce you to the sponsor of the event, the executives from AT&T. They eventually buy a ton of flipsticks, fly me out to LA. In LA, I meet Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg ends up loving the flipstick. And between Snoop and Revolt, they call the producers at Shark Tank and they're like, you gotta get this kid on the show. He's ruined all of our conferences. And the next time I go to audition for Shark Tank, it was a sure bet. And the reason it was a sure bet was because of the journey. They would like, yeah, the flip stick was great, but they wanted the kid that went to a show, rapped his way onto the stage, convinced Diddy to invite him out to LA, then interrupted another show, got Snoop Dogg to love the flip stick. Like, that's what they wanted because that's what makes for great TV, right? It's a great story. And so, you know, I think about in just that circumstance, all the times I could have quit, I could have given up. It, it was constant closed door, closed doors, closed doors. Uh, but there's another book I love called The Third Door. And I'm a big believer in take the third door. If the front door is closed and the back door is closed, then climb through the window. You know, <laughs> like just you got to make a third door. Uh, and I think that for all of all, you know, any incredible athlete, any incredible actor, titan of business, whatever, is in general, they find the third door. Daddy's not paying for them to go through the front door. Those people just don't have the grit and determination a lot of times to say when they get the front door and the back door closed, when it's been open for them their, all their life, they don't realize they can crawl through the window and go through the kitchen to get into the club. They don't realize that's even an option for them because the front door has always been open. So they're like, well, the front door is closed and there is no other doors. And so I think that when you come from, you know, middle class, lower middle class, poverty, whatever. When, when the doors aren't always open for you, you find doors. And for people who find doors, like you don't need a door to be open. You make a door. Um, and so I think that, you know, to me, that's something that I find very special about our country is that, you know, despite the many closed doors that exist in this country and it's far from perfect, like you can make doors here. And I remember I was listening to a motivational speaker and he's like, people think it's hard to make it in America. I'll tell you where it's hard to make it. Bangladesh. Bangladesh is hard. <laughs> you know, there's not, it's really hard. And so here it's like, man, you know, if you have belief in yourself, it ain't easy, but it's easier than it would be almost anywhere else. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, 
and that's just kind of the mindset that I put on um, that I put on life. Uh, and I think it's when I when I had that mindset, it served me well. You know, like even even thinking back to when I was working, I was at Verizon and I was in a call center. And at the time, you know, I, I hadn't told any of my friends that I had dropped out of college. You know, I felt like a failure. I had a full scholarship. You know, I was one of five black kids in my entire class in high school. So I did not want to be the deadbeat living in his, you know, parents' basement. And so I didn't tell anyone. But I remember at Verizon, there was this contest called Rockstar. And they would have this big competition where you would pitch Verizon services. And the and the finals, we get to go down to Miami and and we get to pitch it on stage in front of all the executives. And they have a special guest come and music and all this great stuff. And as I was going into it, I had a boss named Curtis, and he was a, a semi-pro hockey player in Canada before he came to America. And I remember him telling me every day as we were going to this competition, he's like, King, you've won this competition. You've won this competition. And he just kept programming it to me every day. You've won. We're, you're going to win. Like, what are we going to do in Miami? He would tell me at the beginning of the competition, he's like, King, we get to Miami. What do you want to do when we get to Miami? Like, it was always this... Uh, like speaking about it as if it already happened and planning for the thing that hadn't happened yet, not around the competition, but, oh, what are we going to do, Miami? Oh, do you want to stay later? We should we should stay an extra week after we leave, after the competition's over when you win, and we should just go and party. He kept doing this to me, and so I ended up winning the whole competition. And I thought about Curtis's uh, programming into me about, like, hey, we're, you're doing this. We're making this happen. It's going to happen. It's already happened. We need to be thinking about some of the other stuff. Where are we going to get a Cuban sandwich? That's what we need to be thinking about. Uh, and so, you know, I, I try to move through life in that way because, like I said, it served me well. And, and when I won that competition in Verizon for the first time in my life, since having that huge failure from college, I felt like I was not a failure. I had failed, but I wasn't a failure, right? I can be a failer and not be a failure as long as when I fail, I don't give up. I get the opportunity to level up. And so I just kept leveling up and leveling up. And, you know, I think that, you know, like you say, it's a pro mindset. It's the heart of a champion. Like, that's what it takes. Uh, but it also feels better to do it that way. Akeem, we could talk for three hours, my man. <laughs> three hours. Holy smokes. Now, I, I could go on and on and on. I am uh, looking at the clock here going, holy smokes. Well, here's the thing that is interesting. You, you said so many things. But I'm going to handpick a couple things and, and just kind of magnify them. One is our culture, our system, the conventional process is not designed for people to live outside the box. It's not designed mm -hmm. for people to find the third door. And honestly, mm -hmm. it's not designed for people to believe. Mm -hmm. Because to go through that system, so because of – what you've shown me in this last hour, I know why you flunked out of college. I know why you did. And it wasn't because you weren't smart. It wasn't, was, it wasn't because it was too big for you. It just didn't fit. That's mm. the thing. It didn't fit. You've proven that to me today. It didn't fit. You have, you are going to trail your own path. And society has a different path. Some people can be uber successful in the, in the traditional, mm -hmm. but everybody that any name you've mentioned today, which are a lot of Titans of, of, of business and life, they all did it their way. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so true. God, God blesses you with the instincts and the passions to do it your way, but society and your parents and your friends, and your teachers and your coaches tell you not to. So one of the mm. things that I, I just finished a book this week called Pro Mindset. And one of the things that's really interesting is the idea that conventional wisdom is what you get from your peers, from your coaches and your teachers. Work hard, stay late, get up early. All these things. You've heard them a thousand times. That's not what gets you to where you want to go. It's that plus. I'm not saying you can't sleep all day. I'm not saying you can't 
You have to be – all that stuff has to be good. But the most important thing to get somewhere is to plug into your purpose. If you have no mm. purpose, you're done. Once yeah. you plug into your purpose, you have to rewrite your story so that it's a, that it lines up with your purpose. It has to be congruent with your purpose. If it's not congruent with your purpose, you got to disconnect. Yep. Okay? And then once you do that, you have to define your stage. Where are you going to make an impact? Where are you going to perform? Who are you going to impact? And then the last step is you have to have you have to build systems that support your story and that get you ready for your stage. And I learned this process through NFL players. They didn't know they'd been teaching me for 30 years on the guys that made it, that shouldn't have made it, that scouts told me that wouldn't make it, that made it for a decade. They had their story. They had their purpose. Mm. Had their systems. And they had their stage. That's powerful. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for being on Pro Mindset. I know we did it. I appreciate you uh, sharing the story about Shark Tank. That was wonderful. I didn't uh, get around to asking you some of the things I meant to, but every time you, we had an awesome <laughs> conversation. So I just want to thank you for being on and sit tight here for a second. Hey, it's Craig Doman, the host of Pro Mindset Podcast. I want to thank you for listening or watching today's show. And you can catch us every week on the normal social media platforms like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and all the listening uh, podcast platforms. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And more importantly, I hope you gained a pro mindset insight. Please be sure to rate and review pro mindset podcast. And I look forward to catching up with you on our next show.